Hey guys, welcome to the Higher Points, and uh, today we're coming at you with a full-length episode, and we've got my uh, business partner, friend, uh, Brandon Wynn on the podcast, and uh, he is going to tell him tell us about his life story from beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, from end? When, Be- when did it? Oh, beginning to now. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so uh, we just want to hear about you, Brandon, and kind of the reasons why you do what you do. Happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, so I guess, like, let's just start in, uh, you know, basically, where'd you grow up? Siblings? Uh, maybe move into, like, where you went to school and, and all that kind of stuff. You got it. Yeah. Um, grew up in South Kansas City area, in one of the Missouri suburbs there. I um, grew up, my parents uh, lived pretty close to an air base. My dad retired from the Air Force the year that I was born, pretty much. He had he was done with it at that point, 26 years in, and then had... Um, he had three three girls, daughters that are well older than me. I'm closer to my um, – the closest sister I have is almost 13 years older than I am. Oh, wow. So I didn't have, uh, you know, three sisters. I had four moms is basically the <laughs> that. So and that's the way that they kind of always do it. And my, and my oldest sister, Denise, it's her birthday today. So it's, you know, happy, happy birthday, birthday to her. When so. you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, – and then my youngest sister, my closest sister to me, like I said, is – in between 12, 13 years older than I am. And then um, the the middle sister passed away um, in 2015, I believe. So we had, we had lost her then. And, um, you know, I, we lost my mom the year before that. And my dad's still up in Kansas City. I'm here in good old Sterling, America. So uh, where did you where did you go to school? At? Did you go to school up in the Kansas City I area did. as well? I did. I went to a Belton High School up in Kansas City area. Okay. So. Part of the uh, suburban small seven there. And when I say small, they're looking at the way, you know, suburban, you know, population goes on there. Our high school had about 1,500 people in there, which is huge compared to where we're at right now. People yeah, think, Sterling. <laughs> people think that's enormous, but other friends that I had up in Kansas City is like, how do you go to a school that small? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, so did you, did, what did you do? Did you do like sports and stuff like that? Or like what was, I what did. Was, what was your school like? I did. Um, a school was, you know, big enough to have about everything as far as sports went. Uh, my favorite sports growing up were uh, baseball and, and then soccer. Probably more so baseball, um, but I was, and it was probably my best sport as well. I just didn't continue it the way that I continued soccer because that was kind of the easiest path for me to get, you know, to attain the goals that I wanted to as far as college and such. So, but um, yeah, those were the two main sports that I had, you know, worked around with growing up and such and had pretty good success with it. And, Went and played soccer throughout um, college. Um, where'd you go? To, where'd you go to college at? I spent two years at um, Allen County Community College. I was uh, I wasn't heavily recruited out of high school because I went to such a small school, and um, <laughs> so my you know my stats that you know projected very well you know didn't really show that well in the metro area apparently because I because of the small school atmosphere. So I had two years in Allen County Community College, got recruited by, out of that, I had an All-American season there as a sophomore, moved on to Sterling after that, after being recruited, kind of some other places. But uh, my coach had taken, the coach who had taken the chance out of me out of, uh, me out of high school had um, taken the job at Sterling, and I followed my friends to this direction and kind of the rest is history. So did you graduate from Sterling College then? I did, I did, in okay. 99. What, what was your degree in? Communications. Oh, okay. It's the, you know, it's what the brainiacs go toward. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what was your, like, I guess, uh, what was your mind's eye and intent at that time with that degree? Like, what, what were you wanting to do? Uh, to be honest, it was the one that probably had the, the longest list of courses that I knew I could get through without much of a challenge on there. <laughs> uh, you know, I was, I was the guy who, you know, I, I didn't, 
didn't utilize my brain all that much in school, pretty ADD kid or something. So I'm the one that would turn in, you know, work that would have 70% of the work done and I'd get a 70% on it. I'm like, okay, I'm great. You know, it's like if I would have finished the work, but I'm not going to take that long. <laughs> so but actually, I think that that explains a lot about what people are getting ready to hear in a good way of, you know, I think fitting the mold of our educational system these days is not necessarily, I think you're making like robots more than you're making human, like thinking human beings. But anyway, that's, that's for another, podcast, I did it based but. on the fact that it was a, um, it was a curriculum that allowed me to write and um, speak. You know, so I'm much better at, you know, getting up there and speaking in front of people, putting on presentations, so on and so forth, doing, you know, papers, research, you know, things like that, rather than just having a, you know, a test in front of me that would point me in a different direction. So. Yeah, right. And then so uh, you graduate from Sterling College with your communications degree. And then where does that take you? Um, two days. <laughs> well, naturally, I go to work in telecommunications, which is what you do in Kansas City is you go and work for Sprint. And um, I, oddly enough, had a, um, had a job set up um, at Sprint for two days after I graduated, started that Monday as a project manager for international operations, and uh, worked there until 9-11, exactly 9-11. They, um, they laid me off that afternoon. Oh, so wow. After we spent all morning on the phones with our people across the street from the towers talking to us about the people jumping and such, I got laid off that afternoon. Now, obviously, they were going to lay me off anyways. It just so happens. I think they would have waited until the 12th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought maybe they were making a decision based on no, the towers. No, it wasn't towers. based on the towers. No, it was, oh. I mean, they were, it's Sprint, you know, they have annual layoffs anyway. So, and I was going to be part of that. And my director, you know, the one that laid me off ended up getting the cut several months later. But. Huh. So nobody's safe unless, of course, you know, you're the CEO, then you're pretty safe. Yeah, he seemed to do all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so after Sprint, then what? Um, Sprint, I, now, at the time, I was kind of working on um, kind of a side business plan anyways, where I was um, getting people involved with owning rentals, so on and so forth. And, and, and let me preface, I know we're eventually going to get into what I do now, but you know, the way that it started off is I had no idea how to do anything as far as home repair, remodeling, anything like that, but I knew how to instruct people to do things. So what I had done is um, got involved with getting people um, who wanted to invest in real estate because it was something that I knew about was, you know, doing flips, getting people lined up with rentals, so on and so forth. So I'd do, I had a process of a business, Advanced Real Estate Associates, that would get people um, who wanted to learn about the rental process to come in and um, I'd find them a house. We'd go through the process of remodeling it and I would basically sell them that house with a renter in it and a little bit of equity and they'd be moving into a cash flowing property. Interesting. So, yeah. So we, you know, I said I, I had that kind of in plans and Sprint kind of sped that, you know, they expedited that process for me and it kind of got me going in that direction and which led to the point of starting to do more flips and stuff and do you feel like that was a catalyst that maybe maybe pushed your business further than it would have had you had you had you had the comfort of Sprint, you probably wouldn't have worked as hard on that. Do you feel like that no, was a catalyst that made you work harder? I'd say that's exactly what it was on there. But there was a long time I did that for two or three years before coming back to moving back to Sterling because I got to a point at what you know that was like, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. So, but I know I'm still good at soccer. And so it was my idea. I had set up some pro tryouts and everything up in Canada and, and some other things and, and, um, came back to Sterling with, uh, Justin Morris had told me, he's like, come back here and help me coach for a year, train with the guys and then go to your tryouts after that. So I did that. I ended up liking coaching and I kind of put 
um, any type of real estate work on this on the back burner for a while. Then I went to grad school, got into finance, worked for a local company across the street here, DCI. Okay, yeah. For a while, while I was going to grad school, and then um, from there moved on to the University of Kansas, worked for the medical school as a finance analyst, and. While I was working there, I kind of got back involved in doing some flips and stuff, just as like, you know, side income. Yeah, it's a good side gig for me. And the one guy who um, was working with me on that, I was the only residential that he had done, that he does at the time. And um, I said to him, I was like, you know what, after a couple of years of this, I'm going to leave KU. I'm going to build you a residential division and we're going to go from there. And that's kind of what happened. Um. So I, I, I guess uh, maybe we're maybe put a little bit of the cart before the horse, but while we're here and we're on the finance side of things, it's interesting and very fortuitous. And I, I, I think that these things are definitely God ordained, just kind of like losing your job catalyst, you know, giving you the catalyst to work on your real estate a little harder. But so one of the things in my business that I don't do not offer as a service, like I think I can give very basic general advice on is finance and financial planning. So if you, if I, if you were advising me, you know, and what to do or how to do or what research to do to how to do, how do we help businesses make good financial plans to grow uh, or, or whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish? Like, let's say they're trying to buy a new skid loader. Like, how do we financially plan? Like, how do I, how do I advise on that? What are the things like, what are the, the, the pieces of information that you give to them to help them do that? For me, as far as finance and stuff? Yeah, as far as like finance, like if you were advising a business about finances and financial planning, like what do you what do? You do well, there? and what I had done in finance is a little bit different, for, you know, in that respect. I was analyzing financial reports and, you know, giving high-level reporting to executives on, you know, things that were going to on. To make like okay. investment decisions? Well, no, not even as much that, yeah, kind of like long-term planning and stuff. Like if um, KU's planning a new stadium or something like that, I would do the forecasting on that for 10 years as far as what the, you know, what the financials look like in that regard i wrote the annual report for the med school and such and um, so that was kind of the things but you know as far as um financial advising and such i didn't do as much as that more so than just come up with the data to give to the more important okay lines. so what if <clears throat> what if i were coming to you saying um i've got a business that is looking to uh, build a new location you know, they're, they're wanting to build a location. Like, where would you go to find data or to do that forecasting to be able to, like, let them know here's what the financial kind of um, outlook looks like? Like, how, how did you gather that info? I mean, a lot of it is the same way that you come up with valuations on real estate. You okay. know, you go out there and you find similar ideas, similar companies that have already done it and such. And, and unless it's in the event that it's completely unprecedented and nobody's had, you know, any type of thing, but yeah. then again, you're starting from scratch anyway, but, um, you know, find similar valuations, similar business plans and, um, look at, you know, dig deep into what, you know, worked for them, what didn't work for them, why they're still in business and thriving or why they didn't last. Okay. And then, so if, are you actually then maybe going to some of those businesses and asking questions of, of the owners or of, of people that work there? Um, that's how I would do it if I, if I were more into it in that yeah. regard okay. and such. But with mine still, like, you know, with, with KU when I was working there and such, it was more of, yeah. you know, looking at the, the, the best thing I learned in grad school was from a guy from an FDIC who was one of my instructors. He said, the way that the Fed works anymore is that they, it's like, um, driving while looking in the rearview mirror 
you're you're trying to make decisions based on what you're doing going forward by looking at data from the past. Oh, okay. And um, that's about the best way that I could put um, the way that I was doing things when I was at KU is looking at historical trends and you know trying to analyze them and push them into new data models. Yeah, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense because um, so if we if we kind of flip that script a little bit, and I know we're getting off subject here, but um, that's the beauty of a conversation on a podcast. So if we flip that a little bit, when I'm making an SEO property to try to do lead gen in a market that I've never done lead gen in before, uh, or my friends maybe haven't done lead gen in before is I go to Google and I look what, what are other people doing? And like, what, what does it look like? And are like, what, what services are they offering and things like that? And then maybe even tweaking like the fence and deck one that I just sold. They wanted to offer those no dig fences. Um, and that was a little bit of a tweak on, typical like that's not a, a service that's usually offered by most people usually you think of dig hole fill with foam concrete etc let set blah 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 and so um so it's basically kind of that same overall thought process probably significantly more in-depth because you're talking much higher cash flows mm -hmm. um but so okay so that makes some sense there so we'll get back on subject um so you sorry no it's, it's kind of like um I was going to bring up a point about that real quick because it really doesn't matter what the business plan is in a sense. So kind of like what you're going, what you're saying on there. You start with Google, find something similar, and apply it. And you know, it's it's really about the same no matter what you do. And, I, and the reason I wanted to make this comparison is the fact that it's kind of the same with the interior design part of things, like what Nate and I do right now. Every designer out there who's doing things on there is not coming up with anything new. They're taking something that somebody else has done and adding their own data to it. In this case, the data is an idea, and they, you know, accentuate on it. So. Huh. That makes sense. Um, okay, so you, so we left off with where you kind of enjoyed the coaching, and then you went to grad school, the data, and then you were doing, or excuse, finance, and then you were doing the data for KU and writing those annual reports. Yes, and then, and then where did where did life take you from there? Um. Well, life from there, um, like many, many people on earth, you know, a woman changed the trajectory of what I wanted to do and such. And yeah, I found somebody that I wanted to be with and we, you know, she, we kind of made some plans on our own, but, um, but yeah, it took me back up to Kansas city. I was here for quite a while working for DCI before I went up to Kansas city and eventually changed things to KU and such. But, um, you know, which is the kind of the story that lays, and as far as coaching went, I liked recruiting. I wasn't a great coach, but it, oddly enough, the sales aspect of it is what I was good at on there. So I could, I could put the most talented team in the conference on the field and just be like, Hey, roll the ball out there. Let's go after it. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, it was eventually that, that kind of got me out of the coaching thing. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to go to grad school and you know, figure out what I want to do from there. And, um, you know, about that point, Brenna and I, you know, had gotten married and she had decided to go on to grad school as well, which she did. And she got a nurse practitioner license and um you know we kind of started our life and family up in kansas city how did you and brenda meet <laughs> <laughs> i have a couple years on bren so um <laughs> i already know this story yeah, i just wanted everybody yeah, else I'm, to know it <laughs> that's why i'm giggling about it because you knew the story before you, before you answered you asked the question on there but no i had um our athletic secretary deb it, um I worked with her quite a bit on there. She, you know, day in, day out. And um, I had had the opportunity to meet her daughter through um, happenings or whatever else from that. And um, I had, Deb's notorious for leaving her phone 
laying around this time she'd left it on her desk and I'd gotten into her phone and taken her daughter's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Hey, you know, don't hate the player, <laughs> but, um, and then just made the call and, you know, I was like, Hey, we met here a few days ago. It's like, let's get together sometime. And it kind of took off from there. Honestly. And she said, yes. And you went, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, she, okay. didn't, she didn't right away. That's the funny thing about it. She, I gave her the call. You know, she, I called her one time. I was happened to be in Wichita and she was down here in school at the time. Like I said, I was way out of school. She was still in, but, um, I had called her up and it's like, Hey, I'm in Wichita. We'd met here and we're like, let's go grab a drink or, you know, whatever else. You know, she did. <laughs> I'm actually not feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got that line from her and such. It's like, oh, come on. But I, I mean, I apparently, from what she said, she really didn't feel very well. So a few days later, we'd, we'd, she we'd gone say out. She, yeah, has, she has to say that. She has to say that to make me feel. She's out of my league, so she knows that she has to. Uh, I think we could all say that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so we, you know, we kind of, you know, we kind of took off from there. And, um you know, I had, to, I'd, you know, I had just come out of a, you know, pretty serious relationship. I'll leave it at that. And, um, you know, I had told her, I was trying to be completely honest with her about it. It's like, I'm not in this long term. I love hanging out with you, but I am not, you know, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. And um, she's like, you know, and then many times the joke is I tried to break up with her several times and she's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I asked her, no? What do you mean, no? She's like, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, so do we need to go get something to eat? Or what are we going to do now? Then, and sure enough, that just, you know, she kind of kept me in line with things until I realized that um, the path I was supposed to be on came to light. And that's kind of where it went from there, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I, I firmly believe that God put women in our lives to keep us from making poor decisions like they try to tell us we still do it like we still don't listen we still make and they say hey, i tried to tell you i told you so yeah. <laughs> but he, he he puts them in our lives to put ideas in our head to make it seem like it was our idea and then we'll finally do it they, sure. they're there to keep sure. us from doing dumb stuff i tell sure. her that she was 21 when i met her i was not uh, and um <laughs> he's like 35 <laughs> i was 28 <laughs> but i say to her all the time it's just like you know keep it up there's a new crop of 21 year olds every, every year <laughs> every year there's a new crop of 21 year olds so just watch your mouth and, and she just give that a shot uh yeah I, I i do that um like i i was getting gas one time at the co-op and these two old ladies pull up and just like those one of those old chevy voyager vans you know just run down and and this old lady goes, man, you are sure one good-looking sheriff's deputy. And I was like, thank you, ma'am. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and so I went home, and I'm like, I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, you better be nice to me because I got options. <laughs> she goes, yeah, go ahead and let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> I still use that line too, and she'll say, so she's like, you know what, you wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> well, I look at I look at Nate and what he does, and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm significantly older than and than Nate, and I'm like, man, I remember those days and being able to do that and like keep up and do that, but not anymore, man. Like I'm yeah. at the I'm at the point where I go on date nights with my wife, and I'm like, whoo, eight thirty, like, we we probably better get home. I'm getting kind of tired, you know. I mean, our our date nights are like, go grab a bite to eat, go to Starbucks, and then we end up at either Dylan's or Walmart or somewhere, you know, and then we're headed home. Like yeah. that's 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 our <laughs> typical date night. 
Typically um, looking around for kids the whole time too. When you're <laughs> yeah, and and then and then being like, ah, oh, do we have to go home? Like, I don't, I don't want to go home. There's kids at home. Like, I don't, don't want to keep doing this. Yeah, I'd see, <laughs> I was telling Brenna about as I seen a meme the other day that said something about you know a man and a woman talking to each other, and he's like, "Do you want kids?" And the wife says, "She's like, you know what? No." She's like, "I don't want kids." And they turn around, and they go, "Kids, we've got a difficult discussion to have." <laughs> <laughs> So, so how many kids do you have? Two. Okay. Uh, two girls, right? Two girls, yeah. yeah. The, um, one is, uh, turns nine uh, on Tuesday, and the other one is 13, and she's good at it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I am not looking for So raising a 15-year-old son was an interesting experience. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when it is a girl. Yeah. yeah and I told my wife, I'm like, you think Eli was bad? Wait till Brooklyn gets to his age. It's going to be even more interesting. She's only 11 now and kind of starting in on some of the attitude stuff. And I'm like, hey, this is only going to continue to get fun. <laughs> that ain't attitude. No, not <laughs> yet. Ain't attitude. Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. It's going to get there. Though. <laughs> so, um, what, so, so what some people may not know about you is like, so, and I don't even fully know. So if I'm speaking wrong here, let me know. So sure. how, how did it end up that you, you ended up on HGTV? I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of backstory there and a lot of work there as well, but were, was it just your designs? Did you have a show? Like what can you, can you just like explain like how that whole thing came about? What you learned? Maybe, maybe some growing pains and things that were tough to get around, you know, things like that. Just kind of illustrate that yeah. whole picture. Odd, oddly enough, there was no background work as far as getting onto HGTV on there. They found us and, um, it was kind of a, you know, victim of circumstance almost in a sense. It's um, my ex-partner and I, Danny, up in Kansas City. He's the one that you know, he and I had, you know, kind of grown up together, went to high school together and such. And um, we were very efficient with our work. Um, we were both kind of scatterbrained and all over the place as far as, you know, ADD. And we're both creatives and stuff like that. So we never really did great as far as like operating a business and such. But we were very good at what we did and knowing the roles and processes and stuff. Well, Somebody had recommended to the producers from HGTV, actually a media company that works for HGTV, um, that said, you've got to get in touch with these guys. Um, they and Because the most important thing to the media company wasn't necessarily, you know, your the design, everything else. It was, it was about the fact that you could follow discretion, uh, excuse me, follow directions and get things done in the time frame that they had. And um, they got in touch with us, and we're still not sure who recommended to, them to us and such. We're happy they did. And um, the producer of the show had gotten in touch with me, and he had said, or he got in touch with Danny and said, hey, I've heard this about you. Do you guys have any projects going on right now? And it's like, yeah, we're um, just finishing up a, a whole home flip remodel that we kind of tore out everything and put it back together and stuff on there. If you want, We're literally cleaning it up right now if you want to come over and check it out. And he did. So he came over and looked at the project and um, he's like, awesome. He goes, how many months did you spend doing this? We're like, we finished this in six weeks. He goes, six weeks? He's like, yeah, yeah, we, we just knew the process. And um, he's like, you guys are in. He goes, we're doing this. He goes, because we have, we've been having enough trouble with all of these contractors that can't get things done on a schedule on there. And it was, you know, and with the show, you have to, for one, you have to be personable. Yeah. Because, right. you know, there are a lot of guys out there who would just stumble through dialogue and such and wouldn't be able to say the things that they want but the other thing the most important thing to them is just getting things and done in a 12-week time frame large-scale remodels in 12 weeks and with plenty of distraction because there would be times that you know you'd be working for a day and you have to clear everybody out of there so that they can do this or that with the cameras or 
whatever else, or, you know, I lose half of a day cutting one board, you know, over and over again, just for multiple takes on. Yeah. For like B-roll footage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Like, Brandon, can you grab a board and be cutting it when they pull up there and come and talk to you? It's like, yeah, no problem. It's like, well, we did that take so many times that one scrap board turned into toothpicks. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of, you know, learning curve like that because I wasn't used to doing any of this stuff on camera, but I had fun doing it. So, and that was kind of the big point of it. Do you think your communications degree helped set you up for success there? In a sense. I, you know, I did, did camera work when we, as part of the communications degree, but I, I don't know how it translated. Gotcha. I think a lot of it just, be, you know, was being comfortable you know, doing stuff over and over again, mundane tasks, and then learning the process of doing things on TV. And, you know, like, like they would, you know, they'd say, Brandon, tell us about, you know, what's going on. They'd come up here, hey, Brandon, good to see you. This and that. And it's like, tell us about what's going on right here. And I'd be like, oh, we got this going up here. We're going to support this right here. Well, we put a new post on there. Tamara's going to shushugi bond this bench over here. And, um, you know, and I look right at the camera and they're like, Shh. Cut, take it back again. It's just like, so I'd gone through this whole scene on there only to look dead at the camera, which is a complete no-no on there. And, you know, so you learn lessons every day with it. And the more you adapt to that, the, you know, the better it came to the point where they really enjoyed working with us. And it's turned into a, a, um, a good marketing piece, almost in a sense, because I have them as a reference and such and you know well, it's an easy reference for anybody to really corroborate too. I mean, it's basically yeah, google.com and you know. Probably find some sort of clip or something. Yeah, I can send you to Prime. You know, Amazon Prime has it on demand, or go right to HGTV's website and watch them. Now, was that kind of surreal to like, I guess, like watch yourself on TV and know that that was being consumed nationwide? It was different. Yeah, it was, um, and it was actually worldwide on there, which is weird because I'm not sure how many places are actually watching Bargain Mansions on. (laughs) Yeah. They said it was broadcast in like 180 different countries. Or Osama bin Laden's couriers watching it in the yeah, caves. Yeah, was, <laughs> so, but it was, you know, but the other thing about it is how much time you spend filming and how much, how little of that gets actually yeah. you know, put into the, right. you know, into the footage and such. But some of that stuff that happens on there is pretty cool to see, you know, it come to fruition. And then, um, the pictures, I mean, you know, and then the, and the, the photography and everything else that comes associated with it and the, and the friend, you know, that's used for marketing purposes. It's still a big part of our website and such. And we've branched off, you know, we, we're able to line up a lot of the other decorators that we've utilized. And a lot of decorators and, de- and designers up in Kansas City were anxious to, you know, were comfortable with us based on the fact that you could verify what we did right at the time. Yeah, so. right. I mean, it definitely added a lot of a lot of credibility, very easy credibility. I mean, because I've seen um, – because we get called to uh, what we call civil matters. Like, mm-hmm. so say you guys agreed to – and you and just so everybody listening knows, this has never happened with, with Lux. Just want to throw that disclaimer. That you guys agreed to do some project and you got paid half the money or whatever and then you didn't. Um, again, Lux has never done this. Um, and then people call us and like, well, I want my money back. Well, that's, that's not how it works. It's a civil issue. It's a civil matter. Mm-hmm. And so in dealing with that, like we get called to these civil matters all the time of people just like wanting us to remediate and get their money back. And we have to tell them that's not how it works. Well, the reason I'm illustrating this point is we had like one contractor that he laid flooring down and where it butted up against like a sliding glass back door, um, there were gaps because he didn't cut it right. So he just took like wood putty and just like filled in those gaps with like wood putty. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's high speed work right there. Yeah. And and so uh, so people are dealing with that kind of craftsmen or well, lack of craftsmen. Um, and so cock and paint, hide the carpenter. I ain't. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are dealing with that. So do you, do you feel like 
that once people saw that, it was easy for them to go, oh, wow, okay, if these people have been on HGTV, then they're like, they're my, they're my guy, you know, and they would sign on easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a positive stigma. I've never, you know, it's one of those things that I've said, you know, I have never gotten a job because of HGTV, but I've gotten every job that I wanted to yeah. because of it, you know, because of that, because the marketing kind of helps from there. So it's, you know, up in Kansas City, it, it allowed me to be selective with what I wanted to do at that point and be, be able to, you know, you know, get to the, you know, basically just take on the stuff I'd like. So what are, what were some like hurdles or things that were kind of tough? I mean, there's good with bad on, you know, or bad with good on everything. So, I mean, as far as like, what were some of the hurdles with HGTV that maybe you didn't think about or you were like, whoa, or maybe you learned from or anything like that? Do you, can you think of anything like that? Yeah, we, t- um, geez, a couple of those episodes were happening right in the middle of COVID. So, of course, we had a lot of hoops to jump through with that to begin with, having to shut down a, you know, a, a job at two or three different times and having to fire a contractor one time because he kept on ignoring what was it? We had a guy who had shown up, a uh, tile contractor who showed up one time just coughing his, you know, coughing his ass off on there. And he looked like hell. He was sweating bullets. And we were like, listen, buddy, you got, you got to get out of here. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'll feel better tomorrow. I was like, yeah, I know. I get that, but leave. And, um, you know, turns out sure enough, he was positive. Well, you see, he had said things about, you know, it's like, well, he goes, yeah, I'm going to get tested. I'm going to get tested right up. And he, he kept coming back. And so we kept kicking him off site. And then one day we catch him picking out grout colors with, uh, with the host of the show. And, um, we got his positive test right at about that point. We're like, so we've got to shut everything down now. We've got to put Tamara through the, the protocol. you know, th- all the protocol and everything mm-hmm. we've got to. And every time we did that, we had to fog the building, fog the project and make sure that that was taken care of. Cause we were at the time where we didn't know what, didn't know, what was yeah. going on with yeah. COVID. I mean, it's like, it could have been when it was right at the beginning <laughs> of things. It's just, yeah, you didn't know if it was airborne or how long it stayed on surfaces or how any deadly of that stuff. it actually was or anything. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like we were playing with the idea that it's just like somebody can get really sick. We had a um, what was it? Uh, one of the um, cameramen walked. He had already lost his mom from you know from a scenario with oh, COVID, yeah. and he put the camera down at that point and took off, did not come back, quit with the you know with the production company because of the fact that, <laughs> you know, stuff like that had gone on. And like that this, this, this plumber guy or whatever showed up. That the way. Tyler, so he, yeah. Or tile guy. Yeah. He just said, I'm out. Yeah. Wow. He sued me. He actually sued us. And, um, the camera guy? did not No, not the camera guy, the, um, the tile guy. Oh, did not do a minute's work on the project, but because of the fact that, you know, he had gone through the process of, um, you know, we'd gone through the bidding process, material process, this and that. And he was expecting the work. He had a legal right to earn that money. And, and he ended up suing us for it, which I think I paid him about 400 bucks <laughs> out of the settlement on there. And then I went to his attorney a few months later on that. And I, you know, when I was, when I had to go after a client who wasn't paying on something, I called this attorney back up. And I was like, listen, you got a guy who did not do one minute's worth of work. And I had to pay him money. I go, I've got legit contracts signed on something I'm not getting paid for. You're going to be my attorney. He's like, let's go. <laughs> so I was like, there's no, my guy. There is no better way to hire an attorney that, you know, to sue somebody than somebody who got it over on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what I guess, so how long did the HGTV thing last? We spent, well, we had, uh, three projects with them that, um, that season. Each one about 12 weeks, all of them overlapping at the time. Um, two of them were right next door to each other. So we were able to kind of, 
you know, put those and they were back to back episodes on there. But the trick with that was, you know, trying to capture the filming on one of those without showing the other mm-hmm. and vice versa and such. So we were able to kind of get that process. But the, the big one that we had, which ended up being the season finale for that, um, for that particular season, um, that one took, that one went longer. And that was the one where we had the tile guy that, you know, situation is, and it was just, it was a massive project to begin with. So. Um, so did, was it one of those things you were kind of like ready to be done with, or did you hoped it would continue or was it, or were we kind of meh either way or, um, you know what, during the process is when we decided to move down here. Okay. And, um, I was up there finishing out our contract work with HGTV. Brenda was back here with the girls, getting them ready for school. Each one of those projects was 12 weeks long and they were all overlapping each other and stuff. So overall we were probably spent about, you know, six months doing, you know, all three projects. And, um, I was ready to get it over with and start, you know, and and just kind of watch the projects come to fruition and such, and actually be able to sit back and watch the show. And, you know, I remember at a time, Bren was saying, let's have a watch party or something like that. I was like, no, let's just sit down and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I kind of want to just, you know, enjoy this with you guys and the beauty of it. And and this is on one of those up. Oddly enough, our home was one of the projects Oh, cool! on there. And, um, you know, when you see like on an HD TV show or something at the end, there's always people who are walking through there, you know, it's like, Ooh, and ah, you know, looking at everything on there. That's always people that are friends of the show. And in this case, the people walking through our particular home were, was uh, my wife and kids oh, okay. who were looking at, so they, so they got some HD TV time on there, which Riley was a star, and, <laughs> you know, they got her on a couple of clips, you know, sitting at the bathtub doing some things. It was great. She was a natural with that. So it was Morgan. <laughs> they were, they were cute. And so that honestly, that may have been my favorite part of all of that was actually seeing Brenna and the girls get to walk through there, be on TV and, Seeing your face right there as you were telling that, you could see like how proud and like, oh, the, fa- like the fatherdom coming out right there. You could I just, love that it. Was, it was so that, cute. I'll I wish back. we I wish we did this on audio. People could see you as you were talking about that. That was cool. Yeah, I'd like. I mean, it, that, it was fun, and you know they were actually able to watch you know quite a bit of that process go through, and you know they kind of got used to it, and they. You know, my dog at the time was a you know little celebrity with the production company as well. It's like he was always on, or she was always on site, and she, it was just you know you become kind of family with these people. And I still talk to a lot of the people associated with the show, just outside of the show, and I'm able to collaborate with a couple of um, couple of them, you know, remote on certain projects that I do down here as well. So, so I guess what 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 made the decision and brought you back to Sterling? Um, well, honestly, COVID. You know, we wanted to be in a scenario where we wanted to um, make sure that our kids actually went to school. Uh, we thought it was going to be a good transition. The um, The school district we were in up there is a very, very good school district, a very, very wealthy school district as well. There's a lot of social pressures associated with that on there. We knew that one of our daughters, the younger one, was going to have absolutely no problem with that. But we knew that the other one would probably, you know, would struggle a little bit with not having a BMW, not having a, you know... Yeah. You know, trying to keep up with the things that happen in that particular school district. And it was a great school district. We loved the elementary school that we were in, but it was the perfect time to transition to something that was going to be more their speed. How old were they at the time? Um, Morgan was in the fourth grade at the time. And, um, Riley was, wasn't quite in school yet. So, so how, how was that transition for her? Did, did she, did she take well to be in here? I mean, everything oh, yeah, okay right with away. that? Because, because I've heard some people say, um, 
that Sterling can be kind of clickish. It's hard to find friends. It's hard to people to find people to hang out with. Things. Well, like that was kind of always. You know, I had said to Brad for many years because I went to a school that you know I went to a small school of fifteen hundred people, <laughs> and you know her graduating class class was not. I mean, it was thirty thirty some. I think is what yeah what she had said on there. I think so, I had I had fifty. But I think I had said to her at the time, I was like, the, what I don't understand, Brent, is that, is that there's no anonymity. I was like, you, you're, your group is there. You're, I mean, whoever's in the class is your group. That's, mm-hmm. there's not, you can't, you know, you can't join another clique. If you've got, if you're artsy and everybody else is an athlete, you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that kind of that type of thing and everything. And it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't that way. I was wrong. And, you know, it was, but, it was definitely more cliquish up in the school we were in in Kansas City. Even though the elementary school was the same size and stuff, yeah. you could see it kind of we had a little bit more cliquish. And there were other, you know, factors instead we went, you know, we could probably go a whole episode based on the the um, gun stuff that happened at the school and such. And that was another big factor as far as moving yeah. down here. And right. I was going to so. bring that up and see if you want to talk about that a hair. But yeah, which I have no problem with. Yeah, go for it and stuff. But no, we had had a scenario where. Um, we had the, the school got shot up and Morgan's room was one of the, you know, Morgan's classroom. They weren't in the classroom, but that was one of the windows that was penetrated. And it's actually, um, like a drive by shooting. Oh no, it was a, at first they thought that's what it was. There, there were reports. There was windows that were shot out of cars out in the front. And I just happened to be driving by the school. And I, um, trying to remember exactly how this went through. Cause the projects you were working on were pretty close. Like they're all within, couple minutes of the yeah. school yeah everything i did was pretty much in northeast johnson county and um the school was in mission and um then i heard the reports where we got the notifications on the school you know communication texts and stuff and i was like well shoot so i just turned the corner i pulled in there figured out what was going on and they locked the school down and they locked down the parking lot pretty much as soon as i pulled in and um their windows shot out in the um you know, one of the windows was shot out in the school. A few car windows were shot out. So they, they locked it down. And I got out with a series of other parents that were there at the same time and kind of waited it out. Well, they waited about an hour and a half to make sure things were all clear. And then they started releasing kids one by one out there based on the fact that if their parents were there. Or not. Oh, yeah. And so we did that. And um, I was one of the first parents there. So Morgan was one of the first ones out. And um, right at the time that I got her out in front of the school, um, shit hit the fan. And a guy popped out of the house across the street from there and opened fire. Wow. And um, so I covered Morgan. This is all. I mean, there's helicopter coverage of all of this. I cover Morgan, you know, drag her, you know, got to kind of get her back inside. And they take the guy down there right across the street from that. So it's like one of those things that Morgan had to witness. And... um catching my breath a little bit with it um so that bothered me a little bit i mean it didn't bother me a lot and i understated that considerably but um what bothered me as we kind of went on with it was the fact that i you know I, she may have been too young to realize it it's just but it's like she may later on in life you know hear gunshots and it freaks her out now it freaks me out all the time you know having to go back to that day and hear her screams and such but you know, the idea of her going back to that school and, you know, kind of going through that process and having to be, you know, having to lay down on the concrete with me on top of her, covering her and stuff while the cops take somebody down in front of her, you know, it was, it was just another reason to get out of there. Even though we love the school, for some reason, it was a clean break that we needed to take. 
Did a was it like a barricade subject or something? Like it was barricaded in a house or? I, you know, he lived across the street there. Oh, okay. Well, you said he took them down at that time, so either they were on scene, obviously. They were, and, and that was the thing, because it happened an hour <laughs> or so later, so it wasn't actually a drive-by. It was him firing out, th- firing through the house. Huh. I'm sure there were some drugs involved there, and knowing Johnson County, I'm going to say something like PCP. That would be my I don't, guess. I, a little bit of everything on there. There's, And, you know, I can get into the, you know, the legalities and the, you know, the... the all the second amendment, amendment stuff and everything as well. But, you know, I think about the fact that this guy should have never had a gun. You know, I don't mind people having guns. You know, my yeah. whole family was raised on it. We're all farmers, whatever. <laughs> my family was all farmers growing up and such. But um, there are, there has to be better standards as far as who should get this stuff. And this guy is the, you know, this kid who wasn't killed. They just took him down. And um, he's free now. You know, his grandfather um, is opening a beautiful new com- uh, casino down here in Wichita here pretty soon. Wow. So, he's, you know, he had a lot of family money that kind of got him out of that and such. But, I mean, he's still on probation for a very long – he spent a couple of years behind the – Yeah. So, that's that's the thing that I struggle with is, you know, when they want to do, like, new legislation on not not just guns but anything. Anything. Like, look, look, at, look at the United States Code just in general. We're not talking, like, state statutes at a statute level. But it is massive. And I'm like, can we just apply the rule of law that we have now? Mm-hmm. Like, like for instance, if that guy was in possession of that firearm while under the influence, like he's violating federal law. Yeah. We should apply that law. Mm-hmm. We should put them in prison, federal prison, for violating that rule of law. I have no problem with applying the rule of law. And I'm a super pro Second Amendment guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we have this established rule of law that we don't hold anybody accountable to and then we make this feel good like amendment or this extra law that then doesn't get applied and i'm yep. like it's just lather rinse repeat lather rinse repeat lather rinse repeat and it's frustrating i always say that the you know you know people should be able to buy guns you know it's our right it goes all the way back to the beginning of the founding of you know, founding fathers and such it's like but everybody knows somebody yeah. <laughs> everyone knows somebody who shouldn't have a gun and you're thinking of that person right now yeah it's like everybody knows someone and it's and i know you know a couple that i'm just like man i do not you know it, when <laughs> something's going to go down you know it's like i can name yeah, you, you can think of people whether it's you know your friend base family base whatever else you can you know you know someone who's yeah. who should not own that and, and on that rule of law thing is um uh, just to illustrate that point of that rule of law, um, so we have a guy that's in Lyons that is a violent felon and, and, and has been convicted of these violent felonies so bad that the last girlfriend that he had, she was on a morphine drip in the hospital because he beat her face in. I mean, she had like caved in eye sockets. I mean, that kind of violence. Mm-hmm. So we... Get so so they nix, which is where they run people through. Like if you go to an FFL to buy a gun or you do a background check, they run it through nix. Um, and and nix had given us a denied transaction hit. So for instance, if Nate lives at one two three Main in Sterling and he goes and buys a gun and it denies his transaction, it will notify us and say, "Hey, this guy tried to buy a gun." And so this lady. She tried to buy a gun, and so she was on our radar. Well, ended up making a traffic stop where on a vehicle <clears throat> where she was the operator, to make a long story short. And this is where when you and I were talking prior to the podcast about 
um, you know, deception and then like playing the games against criminals the way that we play them is I'd stopped her and we, we'd arrested her. She, the only thing that she had was she didn't have a valid driver's license. Everything else about that vehicle was legit. But I told the deputy, I'm like, Hey, this is one of those times that we can use this smaller offense to try to get the bigger offense. Cause she tried to buy a gun and she wasn't supposed to. And that's like a, a, a violation of federal law. Mm-hmm. Now getting, getting the ATF to pick that up. There are denied hit transactions all over this country millions of times a day. Getting them to hit on that, not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to have more. So I was like, hey, let's arrest her for the no DL in possession. So we did. And then when we when I got her into the interview room, I told her she was in a known drug dealer's car. So I was like, hey, we found drugs under the seat too. We didn't. And I was like, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna charge you with that as well as this. And I'm like, and I just told her because she was a really nice lady. She was cooperative. Um, and I just told her, I'm like, listen, you know, you don't seem like someone that is doing this kind of stuff like what happened you know like talk to me here and and i'm like so also i got a denied hit transaction on you and had to explain of course what that was um and or a nicks transaction not hit hit transaction um because there's such a thing as a hit confirmation ncic but anyway so i was like so who are you buying the gun for and then she kind of sunk her head and i was just like listen we've had three officers shot in the last several years I don't want to see that happen again, and I don't want to see that blood to be on your hands. You seem like a really nice lady. Who were you buying the gun for? And she told me, have all this on video. Obviously, the denied transaction. She was trying to do a straw purchase, and basically, Nate can't own a gun, so I'll buy it for him and then give him the gun. That's a straw purchase, and mm-hmm. it's it's that's a federal felony, a major federal felony. Mm-hmm. You're circumventing the background check system that's put into place. And so I put all of this stuff together. And known's a convicted, known violent felon, sent it up, nothing. And so that's where I'm frustrated with, like, we, we have a known violent felon that's trying to get his hands on a gun. And he, this lady, who would be a excellent witness that we could put on a stand in front of a court and say, yes, he wanted me to buy a gun for him, blah, 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 blah. And trying to do a straw purchase. She's not going to do it. And and we, I mean, they, they could do it. They usually plea bargain those things anyway. She would have probably never had to appear in court. But I'm like, we they didn't even try. And that's the frustrating part to me is I did my due diligence in trying to make this case. So we need to apply the laws that are already currently here yeah. and apply that rule of law. So way off subject there, as usual. <laughs> Down a rabbit hole. As usual. But let's let's back up. So um, so you come back here, and so and you bring in your brand with you. And what was what was your mind's eye there? Um. Well, for one, it's funny we'd always talked about. You know, it's like the idea is like, will we ever move back to Sterling? And it was always no. And um, <laughs> you know, and I said, uh, you know, I'd say to Brent, is like, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Work at the cafe? You know, it's like, yeah, it's like right. what am I going to do? She's a nurse practitioner. She could walk out the door tomorrow and scream, "Hey, I'm a nurse practitioner!" She gets three jobs thrown at her, and um. You know, me, on the other hand, it's just like, you know, but as we kind of got to this, you know, to, you know, with what I'm doing, it's like, well, you know what, I can transition this. And, um, you know, I'd heard more about the fact that, you know, how much demand there was in Sterling for homes. And um, I was, you know, thought about, you know, I can come down here and probably do. And the idea on it really was that I could come up to Kansas City, actually, and kind of do things back and forth. You know, I could do big money projects in Kansas City. I could do, con, you know, real estate consulting and, you know, small projects and everything in Sterling and kind of make, the, you know, make a living off of it, patch together a living doing it. And um, I got down here and it, there was some, you know, 
got a couple of homes put up there and stuff. They sold before they were finished. And I was like, well, shoot. What'd you say the deficit was when you got there? It was like 50 houses. 50, hi- 50 houses behind, you know, demand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm going to start building more houses, which, you know, up to that point, you know, had done mostly large scale remodels and stuff, you know, but so it was just instead of, you know, doing the remodel part of it, we started building our own foundations and going sticks up with it and, you know, which is a much easier process than actually taking something down to, you know, and make it something that it didn't intend to be. Like that, that season finale project, it's a cool one if people want to go watch it. I mean, they, they tore down 90% of a house and then yeah. rebuilt a two story where only, a ranch house was. The only walls we left on that were the brick walls. And we, we have, I have pictures. I've, I still haven't shared everything from that project because there's so much to share on it. But yeah, it was a 1200 square foot ranch that we turned into a 4,800 square foot. Wow. Two story. And, um, yeah, we went up and back, but the only walls we kept and, and Danny and I talk about this all the time. Danny, Again, being my ex-partner up in Kansas City, we always talk about the facts. Never again. Why why, why on earth would we just leave the only walls that, you know, we had like three walls standing. And if I showed you the pictures on there, it'd be ridiculous. You'd see a foundation with three brick walls all propped up on there. And then we built a house to, you know, to incorporate those three walls. And Might as well just have started from scratch at that point. There you go. Yeah. Smarter people would, but again, <laughs> again, I've talked about, you know, I mentioned earlier or something. For the plot. Yeah. Danny, Danny, we didn't start that with the intent to be on HGTV either. We, um, we started that. We were just going to do it. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do it. We came up with the house. It was in Leewood, Kansas, which you stick a cardboard box on a lot there. It's worth 300,000. Okay. And, um, so we found a house that was way less than that. And we're just like, we're going to make this into something else. And it, and it did. It turned out to be, you know, and I think it was a million one house or something like that. Any now it's probably a million seven. <laughs> probably should have waited and sold it later. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then you know, well after we you know did that is when HGTV came calling and they're like, "You have any projects that would you know that you think would be good to work on?" I was like, "Why don't you guys check this out?" And they had never done a project like that before. So they changed the narrative with it or something like that, where Tamara was saying that, you know, I'm working with one of my, you know, favorite contractors on doing this, you know, house that they've kind of, this project they've taken over. And it was a monster. I mean, it was quite a bit going into that one. But yeah, some of the before and after shots on there would be fascinating if I had the time to actually put together all of the, all of the stuff on it. So, so. so- you move your brand here and you start like, did you, did you have something that was your mind's eye like that caught your attention? Cause I know you guys are doing like the Corwin side, the old Corwin building that happened by circumstance as well. You know, similar to, you know, the HGTV thing working out the Corwin building thing kind of worked out almost, you know, organically as well. I ran into a guy that, you know, Jason, uh, Jason West who um, graduated from Sterling with me. And ran into him, you know, somewhere. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I live here now. He's like, let's get some coffee. And we just started talking about like different things. He's like, you know what I'd love to do? He goes, you might be interested in something like this. He goes, there's none of the second stories, you know, on Broadway are being utilized right now. He goes, I'd love to do something. And there's lots of apartments there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they're all empty. So we went to one, um, one building first that was a lot of square footage upstairs and, um, they didn't want to do it. And well, okay, fine. And right about that time, you know, Corwin, the opportunity for Corwin kind of opened up and we worked that out. We had to incorporate the purchase of a, of a home that they couldn't sell at the time to actually get Corwin. And then I was able to sell that one 
as well. But and then we spent a year and a half planning the everything with that, you know, project and kind of took off from there. It was a year and a half before of your planning before we even like yeah, yeah, touched be- a hammer in that place. <laughs> yeah. Well before like Nate and I even thought about getting getting together on some things like you know and So what 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 about Nate appealed to you that you wanted to, you know, incorporate him on on everything? Well, Nate was working with the other construction company <laughs> at the time, and I was, you know, I was subbing them out quite a bit, and um, you know, so Nate was the was kind of the lead guy on everything that we had been working on before. I have never had interest in um, having headcount, actually having a crew or anything like that. I wanted to project manage subs, and um, you know, I never really had it up in Kansas City either. It was just a matter of trying to organize things. That was my strength. But it started getting to the point where, um, you know, I was like, well, if I'm ever going to scale this, but I was still pretty happy with it. Well, Nate was, you know, contemplating starting his own thing and was consulting with me about that as well. You know, and I remember saying to him at the time, I was just like, you know, I'm willing to help with anything that you want, you know, give, give you some direction. I actually went to the head of the other construction company and said, it's like, hey, they're talking to me about this. You know, they, they you know, they're leaving. This or that, you know, him and the others. And um, I'm helping them out. You know, it, even at that point, it wasn't anything that I was, you know, really considering. But it got kind of got to the point where it's just like, you know what? And I said to Nate one day, as we were talking about projects that we were working on together, though with other construct, you know, each him being with Next Gen, me being Lux. I was like, Nate, you love doing the stuff I hate doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love doing the stuff you don't want to do. I was like, well. What's your five-year plan? What, you know, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to take off from this? Because it kind of looks like things are lining up and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like, you know, it was perfect, you know? So I I looked at it and it was always one of those things that, you know, working with Nate and having, you know, first of all, fit and personality is huge with me. You know, if you can't communicate well, you're you're typically not somebody who's going to last with me very long. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, Nate did, he has personality. He knows everybody in Reno County, Rice County, everything else. Every time we go somewhere, like, I swear you should run for president or something because you freaking know somebody everywhere we go. We went to Carl's here to meet the accountant here a couple months back or something. And there was no tables there. So we sat at the bar as it was lunch. We sat at the, let's grab a beer. We sat down there and the guy comes over and he's like, your first beer has been covered for you. What is this? It's lunch <laughs> sure enough it's because you know nate you know somebody knew nate over there it's like man, who on earth gets a beer bot for them at lunch? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was Cade's mom oh okay <laughs> so yeah so that, that you know nate you know has everything that i you know want. and nate's got some youth to him as well you know he can yeah you know and he wants to get out there and lead the you know lead the crews and help them learn and and it was part of a culture that I wanted to be involved with. And, you know, it, it keeps me doing the stuff that um, I think, you know, that will help scale the company to where we want to be on. I, I go into every day thinking that I'm the weak link with our team. And I almost think that everybody should look at it that way. It's mm-hmm. like I always think, you know, I go into I wake up in the morning thinking I'm holding the team back. And it's, you know, I need to put forth the effort to, you know, get get everybody on track or get everybody, you know, I need, I need to get up to the, my guy's level on stuff, you know? And it's just like, I think everybody should, but the thing is when it was just me, 
and I didn't have Nate's career or something like that, I woke up every day. It's like, well, I'm holding myself back on things, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, but, but I'd go into it with that mindset on there. It's just like, what am I slacking on? You know, what are the, what would be, what's going to make the guy's day easier? You know, what's going to make their job easier? What tools can I give the guys, you know? And then it's just like, and Nate's always right on board with all that stuff too. And, you know, I, it, it's not hard for me to share ideas. And the, the beauty of it, though, is that Nate starts thinking of angles that I would never think of, you know, whether it's equipment, things that we should get, what the things that we should own. Hey, let's get this building together. And, you know, it's just it, it's it's like having a, a second brain that, you know, looking at angles that I wasn't ever looking at. Yeah. Well, I remember when, you know, he, he was very much in the infancy with Next Gen. And then when you mentioned it, like we were getting ready to record a podcast and he was kind of like, hey. This kind of came on my plate. What do you think? And I was like, you'd be a fool not to. That's what I think. <laughs> well, um, I think that's the way like a good partnership starts is like you feel like you like what the other guy brings to the table is more than what you bring to the table, you know. And that's the way I feel, too. It's like, well, he's bringing his brand and all this notoriety and everything with with Lux. And it's like that's a big deal for someone who's just getting started in this, who's we've got the labor and we've got the tools and the know-how, but we don't have any of the other stuff, you know? Yeah. And and I've always told you, you know, you're, you're advanced beyond your years as far as like your mentality is concerned. Indeed. Um, you know, you still do some dumb shit, but, um, (laughs) but don't we all, we're we're guys, we all do dumb shit. Let's let's be honest. But, but, you know, uh, so that's why. And once, once I knew that he'd made that, I was like, if I were in Brandon's position, I'd have made the exact same choice. Like I, that I would not have had a single inkling of any anything. I'd been like, "Yep, that's my guy. Like that's what I'm going to go with." If <laughs> well, I were making that decision. And the beauty of it, though, is that, I mean, you know, Nate believes in the culture as much as I do. On there, it's just like we could have somebody come to us that you know, and, and oddly enough, in, a, in an environment where people are having trouble finding good help, we have people calling us. It's like, do you? Do you have any, you know, do you have any space for me to work? Do you have this and that or ah. something? But culture is so big with us and aren't we just Amen. like, we can't, um, we can't screw up the chemistry and the chemistry with our guys is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's great, you know, and it just doesn't stop at, you know, four or five o'clock when the day ends, it continues going through the Snapchat threads. And the and, and thing I love about this is the fact I'm 47, Nate's not, and, <laughs> you know, and the other guys are not, not, you know, they're, they're younger than that you know so it's just like they're looking at life on a you know on a youthful it's like i'm like their dad you know like or like i'm like the old mentor you know i'm 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 the morgan freeman and shawshank redemption type of thing you know you know so i'm able to you know kind of i feel like i'm giving them life wisdom or you know this or that you know because i've i've made all the mistakes that they don't need to make yet so it's like I, i feel like i can help them out with that and they can help me out with figuring out snapchat (laughs) <laughs> i would not have guessed you for 47 for what it's worth i yeah, thought you were you know, thir- I, I thought you were like late well, 30s like me because of because i'm married to bren you know <laughs> you're only as old as the woman you feel so that's um, <laughs> and so everybody thinks write that, that down yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks that i'm younger than what i am because i'm standing next to somebody that's you know younger than i am but but the funny thing is is that you know i'll say to bren you know i'll be looking at snapchat and something like that and i'm you know, what does this mean? She's, and she's just like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, the guys, you know, I'm, I'm going to send them this. She's like, don't send them that. They don't want to hear from you. <laughs> I was like, they do. They, th- they think I'm funny. They th- they're going to they're gonna like this. And she's like, they have another snap group that does not include you. <laughs> she's like, I assure you. 
We're not going to send this to the big boss. <laughs> this is one of those things we maybe will share with Nate. <laughs> well, they don't hold back on that. Well, maybe they've got another one without the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it's going about now. Like... Well, so uh, if we could go back and talk about culture, um, that is a significant passion of mine. Um, I kind of got uh, – remind me to talk to you off mic about culture on something that I learned last night. But um, one, of the, one of my stretch goals, and I want to ask you also, considering – don't let me forget, considering that your competition may be listening, I'm curious about your five-year plan as well of whatever you're willing to share there. But mm-hmm. but back to culture before we go past that is – so there's a, a book by Liz Wiseman called uh, Multipliers um, mm-hmm. and Diminishers. And one of the – and in there she talks about giving people stretch goals. So say like, for instance, Nate, uh, you know, he he's never done Windows before. Um, but he knows like every other aspect of it, you know, you're obviously trying to cross train your people, like some of the contingencies that like I was telling you about and that, that risk mitigation stuff that I sent to you of cross training people. Uh, so giving Nate like, Hey, on this build windows are yours. And he's going to be like, Oh crap. I've never done that before. Well, that's a stretch goal. Like, you know, he's capable of it. You know, he can figure it out. Um, and you give him a stretch goal to a- accomplish and you, you know, you're growing people, you're pulling genius out of them. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to culture, like you say so much there and you're helping to reaffirm because I've always thought that money is important. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think money is the decision that people decide to work at places. Yeah. Does, is it a heavy influence? Yes. But I don't think it's 99% of the influence. No, you can get paid really well and have a boss that calls you up. Yeah. all the names. And you hate your life. Yes. <laughs> like you, you make millions, but you hate your life. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one of my stretch goals, should I make the office of sheriff, is with no change to pay and benefits package, no change, none, that the culture will be so good and that law enforcement being the tight-knit group it is, because we all talk to each other, we have to rely on each other. Like, hey, Jim Bob lives in your city. Hey, can you tell me about Jim Bob? And then as you're getting done talking about Jim Bob, it's like, man, my, my sergeant, I don't like him. Hey, bro, we're hiring. Come here. You know, this is great. This is great. This is great. And so no change to culture that we will have more applications than spaces to fill, even in our current and current hiring and retention thing that we have going on. That's my stretch goal. Yeah, yeah I believe it. I, we're a little bit that way right now. There's a one guy that's been calling us that like we'd like to hire him, but it's just like we don't have a spot currently, yeah. you know? And there's, I know there's a lot of other construction companies that like are scouring the internet trying to find, find guys and they just can't do it, which I don't know. It's, it is, it is tough, but if you do things the right way, I feel like you won't ever struggle. Keep, well, people know. come and go. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't, keeping, keeping that guy, now, keeping the relationship with him and keeping your culture good. Like when somebody does inevitably leave, cause it will happen. Yeah. I don't expect be all, all six of these guys to be working for us in five years. You know, and they might, that is, and Depends. they could be, but like, it's unrealistic to expect that, you know, cause people's life changes. It, it may not be yes. that it's a bad situation in this job. It could be that they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. They, they got married or, yeah. you know, something like well, that. And if, we push, if we push one of these guys to the point where they break off on their own and they're like successful at what they do, it's almost a, it, you a know, it's, it's a testament to what we do. And we, and we talk to the guys about that. And when Nathan, Nate and I have these philosophy where they, you know, it's just like, you know, with the guys, it's like, listen, if you guys in a year are doing the same thing and you're the same employee that you are today, you're fired. You know, it's like, yeah. you have to grow. You have to do stuff, you know, and there's others that we've pulled aside and said, you know what, what is your favorite thing? Like, what do you want to learn? Like your favorite, you know, 
part of construction, if you had to pick one thing that you're going to make you know, make yourself an expert at, what would it be? You know, and if they say, you know, decks and fences or something like that, for example, here, you know, or say, okay, we're going to give you the resources to learn everything you can for the certifications, the licensing, the, you know, the take you to trade shows, whatever else to be that. And then you're going to lead a division of that. We're going to start Lux decks and fences or whatever. Yeah. Lux terriers. Um, <laughs> we talked about that before, you know, but that's the type of thing that we want to put out there is just like, you know, you have to, you know, we don't want you just swinging a hammer for the next 25 years and, you know, that's it. It's like, this needs to be a career for you. The human brain's meant to be challenged. And if you're swinging a hammer for 25 years, that's not much of a challenge. I mean, it's physically, it is a challenge, but mentally, like it becomes repetitive and it's the same thing. It doesn't matter how different the house is you're building. It's building a house. You know, you're reading plans, you're framing walls. Well, but I think also a key factor here while we're talking on employee retention and uh, also hiring and retention is uh, there, there are some people like, for instance, you like swinging the hammer and doing those things. You don't, right? Uh, you like the project management and and all the planning and everything. You don't. So you're you're gonna have employees that come in that all they want out of life is give me a check every week or two weeks and let me swing a hammer. And you need those people in your mm-hmm. organization. And because I I found through selling these SEO and lead gen sites, especially to GCs, that a lot of them are like, I don't want to grow. My bills are paid. I'm happy because they, they, they're like, they sometimes I think they see those GCs that are trying to grow and are, and see how busy they are Mm -hmm. and how much work it takes. And they're like, my bills are paid. I'm happy right where I'm at. And so as long as you can have a good culture and you find people like that, you you never know. They may work for you 35, 40 years, but I think they're going to be really good at what they do. I think that's where people go wrong though. It's like, I don't want to grow because I'm saying as far as like, they don't want to be the next Lux. I know, but I think that that's where a business gets stagnant and where you can't retain employees. Well, right. But I'm saying you can still grow that person inside your company, Mm -hmm. but they may not want to be the foreman of Lux tiers or of fencing and decking or whatever. Now they, they may be extremely proficient at this and then they become extremely proficient at this and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as they're continuing to grow, even if it's incrementally or, or um, because they're going to struggle with something. Whether that's showing up on time or whatever it is, as long as there's growth somewhere, I think would be the important piece of the equation there. And I'm not trying to tell you how to run your business. I'm just saying from my my perspective. Yeah. Um, Because you do need people that are making the $25 and $100 decisions like you were talking about. And, you know, if you can foster that environment of somebody that that's where they're truly happy at, I mean, like truly happy, um, then why not? You know, why not let them stay in that position? Yeah. Is my thought. Um, So... Uh, what, uh, what is the five year plan for you gentlemen with Lux? We don't really, we don't market right now. You know, we're, we're at the, we're still getting calls and we're kind of just, you know, fielding that as it goes. And if we open things up to, you know, other areas and such like that, you know, as we move forward, that's probably, you know, we've got to have a plan for that growth rate and before we start marketing for it. And, um, but we'd talked about, you know, it's just like, you know, scaling into the, into the idea of being the call that people make for like, you know, high end, either, you know, remodels, you know, builds, whatever else or something. So when it comes down to somebody who, you know, it's just like, you know, they, they've, they've saved, they have the money or they have, you know, they, they want to put something together. They want something unique and they want it designed and they want a team working on it. And they, you know, that's, 
that, you know, we want to be the first thing that people are thinking of when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You know, we could, you know, we could pay the bills, you know, installing mailbox posts and, you know, clotheslines and birdhouses and, and, you know, everything else like that. But where, where is it going to get us as a, as a goal? What, what, what can we point at? You know, how would we market that? And that's not necessarily what we want on there. We want to. We don't want to be known yeah. as the handyman guys. You know, we want to be the home builders. Gotcha. You know, we don't want to be the ones that are, you know, somebody's like, hey, I like that house that you built. Build me one. I'll just like it. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got to be, you know, we're going to change things up for you. We may build a spec the same or something, but, you know, it's like, I'm not so sure what I've you know, much room for building specs. We have enough, you know, custom business calls on stuff like that, that keep coming in that we're, you know, happy to continue that. And if we have to, you know, stretch things out and we've, you know, we have a team like, in you know, that handles the Newton and McPherson and, you know, yeah. Hutchinson and stuff like that, you know, if we're, you know, then that's great. But, you know, if somebody is considering, you know, you know, we have a farmer or somebody who who has just a lot of money that they want to drop down. They want a million and a half dollar build. It's like, well, we've done million and a half dollar builds. We can, you know, yeah, we can do that. <clears throat> and then, so what, where are you kind of wanting to scale that to, or do you have like a, a goal in mind or just where the goal is to get to that, you know, and, and, and just continue the, you know, and, and it, it may be something to where instead of, five or six builds a year that you're doing to, you know, kind of get to the point where the business is operating on there. You may be at two or three, you know, projects that you can really focus in on. And that are bigger some, projects yeah. instead yeah. of a $300,000 home, you're talking about million and a half dollar homes. Okay. So can I, can I give you guys some food for thought? Yep. Cause I know you guys are going to communicate after this and I know you're going to keep doing your business. Okay. So I'll ask both of you and just answer yes or no. Um, can your business right now, operate without you there both of you like if both of you are like right now like like can it can it can it can it can it function like without you if we're both gone if you're both gone both right no okay can your business grow without both of you there right now as you're going through your thought process for your business have those two things in mind how do you get your business to a point where it can yeah both of those that's what you're working towards and so just, just food for thought as you're doing your planning and all that other kind of stuff that you can kind of have more of that hands off and like yeah. how the business is going to do its own growth and it's going to do its own running, whether you're there or not. And, yeah. you, you know, potentially you can move into whatever the next thing is, whether that's yep. raising your daughters and going to every single recital, basketball game, football game, whether it's starting a family or, you know, remodeling nine houses because you can't seem to figure out where you want to live. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever that may be. Uh, I love you. Um, <laughs> whatever that may be, you know, of just you got that, a shed in the back of your, in your backyard. I do. You? I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all yours. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to remodel it though. And I want it luxurious. Oh, I want an indoor pool. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think we were, I mean, we were fully prepared to continue, you know, our individual trajectories. Nate, you know, Nate would have been just fine next gen. You know, I'm sure they'd, been as busy as they ever wanted to be and i'd be as busy as i wanted to be on that as well but it wouldn't you know it would be unrealistic to look at the scale that we wanted to achieve together Mm -hmm. well and seeing your guys's chemistry there's something about that when you talk about like that fit right um that fit in that form um the chemistry that you guys have is is definitely very evident and then like when i met with you guys at clive's and everything like it was just you it was just it, it reminded me of like waves 
hitting on like a beach. It was like just very like rhythmic and like, you know, you guys back and forth and back and forth. Like it was that tide coming in and out of you guys were bouncing things off of each other. And I mean, I know it wasn't some super complicated business meeting we were having or something, but you know, you were like, you were like, what about this? And like, like one of the, some of the numbers we ran, Nate was like, okay, this number. And you were like, I have no idea. Yep. Yep. You know, and so, so, you know, what you guys got going on is a cool thing. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching where it goes. And hopefully I can help you through that process to get where you want to be. That's what I, that's what I really want to do. I'm the same way of like seeing people succeed and, and just creating whatever culture to kind of help that kind of thing. So, yeah, I do think one of the first things that like before we have, before we hire any more laborers, that kind of stuff is like, we want to have an office manager, someone to help organize. Everything. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> help organize everything because. Did the one that you asked uh, not bite on that then, I take it? We don't have a place to put him yet. Yeah, that's, that's oh, the okay. issue. She would, she would come work for us. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, our thing is just, you know, where do we stick somebody like that? It's like when you get the mail, where do you put the pile of mail? <laughs> you know, where, when you, you know. It's just a plastic folding table up front there and, you know, for yeah. the meantime. And the non-air-conditioned yeah. no plumbing black now. building. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we've got to get the building done. And right now it's we're doing yeah. it on our spare time and let's, we're, I don't Which you don't have a whole lot of. a lot of spare time yeah. coming up, so. Well, you never know. Um, uh, not to get too, too much here, but the power of prayer is an amazing thing. And so. You know, maybe you, you can find a time where, you know, some, some, some materials didn't show up for a job or something. And now you have this lapse in time where now I can devote a week or two to that and really knock something out. So, well, there's a chance it rains all <coughs> next week. So yeah, there you go. We're supposed to be working outside <coughs> on concrete. So yeah, that may be it. Yeah. Well, uh, make a lot of farmers happy if they get that rain though. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough deal for us because it's like, we don't want it to rain cause we're in concrete. Yeah. And every time we do concrete or we're going to go dig is when it rains. <laughs> um, but then again, it's like farmers are 90% of our, I mean, they've run our economy in the Sterling, in Sterling, Kansas, you know, if there wasn't farmers, there would be no Sterling. Yeah. And so it's like, well, we need the rain to keep these farmers in business. So we're just going to take in the shorts on this we've always one. <laughs> we've always joked with, you know, with some of the friends that we have that are farmers and such and stuff, you know, and, cause everybody will say that it's like, it's raining. It's like, crap, it's raining. We can't do anything today. And, you know, and they're like, well, it's really good for the farmers. It's like, you know, Hey, are the farmers waking up every other day when it doesn't rain and being like, Hey, this is really good for the contractors. <laughs> <laughs> that is a valid point. Yeah. That is a very valid point. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I just want to take the time to say, you know, thanks for, for coming on and, and impart your wisdom, sharing your story. I'm, I'm really excited to see where, where this kind of takes you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's, uh, it's, it's going to be one of those things where everybody just sees the brand, recognizes it, knows where it's at. You're going to see it everywhere and they'll know exactly what it is and who owns it and all that good stuff. So, um, I guess I'll just kind of wrap it up from here. You okay with that? Mm-hmm. You guys good? Anything yeah. else you want to share? Anything we left no, I've, out? I've or? got plenty to talk about, guys. So we could do this again. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we certainly will. Um, but we, we we find that the format is you know if we keep it right around hour hour and a half, the, yeah. the the retention on the stats is the best. Four hours is a little uh, a little too long. We figured that oh, out. Man, that was that was a rough podcast. I shouldn't say rough. Like I was just emotionally and mentally spent at the end of that. Mm-hmm. My wife would probably appreciate it if you know you giving me like unfettered access to my opinion or something to you know to talk about so that I can come home and I'm actually done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I I did ask him if uh if he would trade trucks with me, and he said he would. Yeah. So it's a good looking truck. That's what happened. That's definitely what happened. <laughs> You gotta have those air. I don't have air conditioned seats, so he didn't want my truck. 
you know what's funny about that is that people will ask me, so you got a truck? It's like, yeah, I got it at GMC. I'm like, oh, great. I was like, I don't say what it is. I was like, I'm the kind of guy who likes having nice things, but I'm ashamed to own them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, which helps me to like actually like, you know, put like, you know, nice things in people's houses so that they can have it, you know. And, you know, you know what GMC stands for, right? Generic made Chevy. Yeah. I guess. So you can, you could just, you could just tell them you've got one of those and you Every, could be more humble that way. Everybody in the truck wars has an acronym for the, uh, for the, <laughs> yeah. for the opposing viewpoint. But I mean, it's basically just the same thing as a Chevy. I mean, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just not branded as a Chevy. Yeah, my, my dad, <laughs> my dad is, he's so pro Ford. So, you know. Anti, you know, everything. Although he's real big into Tesla. He loves Tesla. Anyway. I freaking we, love Tesla as well. We need to get my dad in here sometime to talk to you guys. That's a whole other world. But, uh. Um, Hell yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I, I have to like go to him with options that this, you know, I was like, Hey, I got the GM. He's like, well, why? <laughs> why would you do that? I was like, because it has this, you know, multifunction tailgate that you can't get in everything. Well, tell me about it. <laughs> so I send him like YouTube videos. Well, that's pretty neat. <laughs> All the gadgets. Yeah. This, does he live up in Kansas City? Yeah, yeah. He turns 86 next month, and he's... So what you're saying is getting him on Zoom or or meet to do a podcast probably? Oh, he'd come around. Matter of fact, we need to get him down here more full-time than anything else. But, yeah, he's um, he's pretty active. So yeah, that's the way my grandpa is, and he's mid-80s. And you'd like him, too. He's retired um, military police. Nice. Uh, and was probably has some cool stories. Chief of police. At, you know, from an Dude, we got to set that up sometime when he's down. Like get like when he's down, get with Nate. Like my my schedule is a whole lot easier than Nate's. Um, usually Sunday evenings work the best because I don't work any Sunday evenings at all. Like my schedule rotates every week, but we can we can set something up. Uh, that would be so cool. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be great. My my wife contends that there there's a there's a real reality show that could be you know the man who mixes his drinks with the drill and or his protein shakes with the drill and his protein <laughs> his protein shakes is chocolate protein powder with grape juice and you know what the he's what the <laughs> What the? Ugh, what the? Hell? Fishing poles in his bathroom. He's got. I mean, it's the quirkiest man alive. So <laughs> that's freaking awesome. You know, everything's a new story. With so what your your wife gets to look forward to? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't intend to live that long. <laughs> He'll outlive me. Cool. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I just want to take the time again. Thanks, Brandon. For yeah, being absolutely. Here thanks for having me out, guys. Um, and. Uh, so uh, we appreciate your uh, listening to us. We're just, again, humbled that you choose to join us. Uh, keep uh, liking and sharing the podcast and just getting that information out there. And uh, we're just humbled that you chose to join us. Check us out on uh, Facebook at The Higher Points Podcast, Instagram at The Higher Points, and our website, www.thehigherpoints.com. Um, again, we are renting out the podcast studio to anybody that wants to just come in and record anything. You can record music. You can record podcasts. Um, you know, we have... Um, Let's see what one, two, three, four different auxiliary channels that you can plug different uh, like instruments and things into. Um, and we would be glad to do that. You can just hit the contact, contact us on the website to reach out to us. But we just appreciate you joining us and we'll catch up with you guys next time.